It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. High pick and roll with favors. On the left hand, bounces to Derek Power, dribble to the rack. Oh, hide the women and children. Derek Favors is coming in high and hard with a slammer. It's locked on jazz for the first of June. Who is Furkan the Turk? We'll break that down. We'll continue our look around other teams' free agency needs and off seasons, we look at Chicago and Detroit and see if they have players that are available. Westbrook and Durant are focuses of topics and some updates on Dante Exum. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. You are tuned to Locked on Jazz. Thanks very much for subscribing to Locked on Jazz and whatever podcast you use, as well as giving us five-star reviews. It's greatly appreciated very much. You can follow me on Facebook at David Locke, as well as Locked on Sports. You can follow the Locked on Jazz Excuse me, the Locked On Podcasting Network on Facebook as well. Twitter, I'm Locked On Sports. Instagram, DLock. Nine Snapchat DLock zero nine. Uh, I think I actually said those backwards, but you can figure it out. So, uh, hope everything is good. Uh, appreciate you tuning in. Two good locked on NBA podcast. Mark Spears undefeated about the rise of the Warriors and the scout breaks down the NBA finals game. Uh, matchups for you. Some really interesting comments about Kyrie Irving's role. So, uh, catch both of those on the locked on NBA. Podcast locked on Pac-12 expected to return sometime soon. All right, let's go to our pins across the world. We're going to Tijuana, Mexico today. Love your show. I was raised in Salt Lake from age 12, says Patrick. When the Utah Stars came to town, I was a huge fan. When the Jazz arrived, I was out of my mind with joy. And over the many years since then, I have been a faithful fan. When you came to town, I made the Utah Jazz experience even better. Thank you much for tip-off. It makes the mornings worth waking up. I'm a senior citizen. I live in Tijuana because my pension lasts longer here. I used to go to Tijuana, but it wasn't to have my pension last longer, and I'm lucky I got out a few times. That is, I went to school in Southern California, you know, that is Patrick Flory. He is our pin across the world. All right, let's get to our tip-off lead story of the day. If you look at NBA mock drafts, the NBA DraftNet has Furkan Kor- Korkmaz, I don't really know how to pronounce it, Furkan Korkmaz, uh, of Turkey as... The Jazz most likely draft pick. Let me say this first, and our focus on who is he. Uh, I think the first thing about him, I think a lot of people are, are picking him because they think the idea that the Jazz, it makes sense for the Jazz to um, stash him uh, and have him stay in Europe. And I think he's got two more years on his contract and just because our roster is full. And I have said the whole time, I don't really believe – we are drafting a player this year that's supposed to immediately help us. Um, maybe give us some depth and do some things, and if he has to. But 
I don't suspect that whoever we draft is going to make the difference whether we make the playoffs or not is really kind of the the feeling I have on them. Uh, Let's get a little background on who is Furkan Korkmaz. I think that's right. It seems like that would be the, you know, I don't, I'm not good with my Turkish pronunciations, but uh, he was born in uh, outside of Istanbul uh, and is only 18 years old. So other than, He's younger than all college players but Brandon Ingram. Um, he's a full year younger than Ben Simmons, and yet he's still he's already played 70 games and about 900 minutes of EuroLeague and Turkish combined. Uh, he's represented Turkey in the under-18s and the under-19s. He led them to a gold in the under-18 European Championship, and he led them to a bronze in the under-19 uh, World Championship. Uh, his play is inconsistent. The team he's playing on right now is one of the largest payrolls in Europe, and the pressure to win now, there's no such thing as developing guys for the future because uh, they particularly know he'll probably be in the NBA. So his playing time's a little limited. He's 6'8". He's only 170 pounds. He is known for his shooting. I went and watched him uh, on both his... Uh, shooting and his pick and roll stuff to be able to give you this breakdown for today's tip off. And what's interesting to me about him is he's a great shooter and he also won the 2016 slam dunk contest in the Turkish league. Uh, I didn't see any of that athleticism in the little bit I watched, um, but I didn't watch whole games. I think that's, you know, kind of misleading. He's played 19 games for the team he's on right now. Um, and, you know, he doesn't play much. He plays a you know, as I said, that they have bigger pictures uh, going on uh, with him right now in who he is. He his his game. It, it's interesting, and I and I hate watching clips. Like I watched pick and roll, and then I watched spot ups, and I watched catch and shoot. I hate watching that style of play because you know, frankly, begin to think he's like a gunner. But let me break down a little bit. It's pick and roll stuff. He's not exploding to the basket. His floater game is very immature and ineffective right now. That might be a strength issue. But he can really shoot it. He's a stop and pop game. He's a step back shoot game. Uh, in the pick and roll action, I watched his his passing doesn't look great. But I also the way uh, the system's set up, you don't always see his assists. But you could see some looseness in his passing game, um, some immaturity there. Not the kind of, if you're watching some of the guys I've watched, they have some real strength behind their passing so that the ball gets places fast. That's not something he has. I think that's a really underrated aspect of the game is how the power somebody has um, on on their passes. Uh, but he, he is he's an off, he's off the bounce. He's going to shoot it. He's going to step back, and he's got a tremendously quick release. He, he Watching him on the catch-and-shoot stuff, he frankly he has a Clay Thompson like release, the, this quick release that Clay Thompson's developed. When he, he he's very very good at being feet set, ready to shoot, uh, prepared before the ball gets there. He's very good about the ball never goes below his waist. It's a and he's got a very quick release. He sometimes is uh, he's a bit. Uh, short on some of those shots, but that could just be a strength thing. I'm a little bit concerned of whether or not when the game speeds up on him 
at the NBA whether or not that the rhythm of this gets blown up and he loses some. But uh, his shooting is bona fide. His catch-and-shoot stuff, uh, they would send him to the corner a great deal, and he is ready to shoot. He gets it off. He does not need a lot of space. Um, it did. That was the Clay Thompson comparison I had, was the ability to really get that shot off. There's probably going to be some Evan Fournier comparisons on him a little bit just because of his kind of size. Uh, he's European. Uh, um, some of those aspects to him. Uh, but the shooting is bona fide, and it's quick. Uh, the question is whether or not, you know, defensively he ever ad- develops, uh, whether or not he uh, physically gets stronger, and those things would seem very reasonable at 18 uh, years old. You do play a little funky game as the Warrior, as the Warriors, as the Philadelphia 76ers have learned with Dario Saric. Um, once you have them over there, how do you get them to be, you know, to come back and, and some of those aspects of things. Uh, but he's, he's a, he's a bona fide quick release shooter. Uh, and then the question you have to really project if you're a scout and you're professional at this is in the limited amount of pick and roll action you see him in, how is he going to be? Um, is he going to be able to be around the basket um, is he going to be able to beat people off dribbles? Uh, is he going to be good enough to handle the basketball? Uh, is he going to be able to develop uh, those skills? He's does t- he didn't strike me. I know he won the slam dunk contest, but it di- he didn't strike me as this um, Mario Izenga Iso- coming packing, going to the basket type athlete of last year's draft. Uh, but he is six seven, playing the two. I, it, it, it's an interesting. He's an interesting uh, player, and you know, evidently from what I've heard, has some contract things where he stays there uh, for a little longer. So, you know, that's why I think he's put around the Jazz as someone has been talked about. Uh, but I also think he's he's uh, he's interesting. The the quick release shooting is is something that is exciting, and the fact it goes in. I mean, his spot-up shooting effective field goal percentage was 61%, and his unguarded effective field goal percentage was 85%. Uh, that is, and, and his spot-ups were 52% of his possessions uh, this year. So that's really uh, what he is, and it's going to take some strength in scouting ability to be able to look and figure out uh what he does next. I didn't look at him a great deal defensively. It's a little bit of a different game, and it's hard to see. But that is who uh, Furkan Korkmaz is and why he's being talked about and I think is a legitimate possibility for the Jazz to be taken uh, in and around when we're, uh, when we're speaking. All right. Uh, oh, exciting news has broken. I was aware of it, but it has just come across as I'm recording this later than usual. Kristen Kenny has been added to the Jazz broadcast team. She has uh, been working with NBC, CBS Sports, Fox. You might have seen her on Altered Course if you were one of the three people that watched that show on the Golf Channel. Uh, and she uh, is... Uh, obviously well-skilled, going to be a new sideline reporter, has done a great amount of work, originally grew up in uh, Virginia, played some college soccer in North Carolina at the University of Miami, Florida as well, and uh, will be joining the broadcast team as the new sideline reporter uh, for home and road games, and will make her debut during Utah Jazz Summer League. So welcome to Kristen Kenny and her involvement uh, with the Utah Jazz. All right, let's get to uh, some of the mailbag questions. Um, 
John Kiefer says, I know you're starting to look in the draft, but have you watched Wade Baldwin? I did, in fact, last night. Uh, 6'4", 6'11", wingspan. He says, looks pretty athletic. Shot better than 40% from three. Seems like a nice option as a backup guard who can play 1-2 um, or a 3-and-D guy, prove some flexibility. Uh, I'm watching him. I need to dig into more. There's something there. Um, and it's an, he's an interesting life story. His, his parents uh, both had kind of – his dad was in drug enforcement. His mom uh, kind of rose the charts of almost the FBI or something like that. Parents got divorced early. Dad's kind of time with Wade was just to drill him and turn him into an athlete. Um, that's clearly what their connection is in all the stories uh, that I've read. And, you know, it's interesting. It makes you – you hear that story, frankly, and you watch him play, and it's hard to figure out if he loves the game. Uh, he doesn't – play very passionate you the little bit I've watched I watched him play Kentucky uh Jamal Murray was unbelievable in that game uh and you, you're you're yearning for a little bit more uh impact on the game though he seems to move the ball and so he's playing in the system and then you think to yourself well okay he's playing in the system that's probably the right thing for him to do but on the other end um you kind of watch yourself yearning when he gets going downhill though he's bona fide um, I haven't seen – got to watch his shooting. He hasn't taken a lot of shots and gotten a lot off against Kentucky, which is a little disconcerting uh, in the game I've watched. But when he turns the corner and gets downhill, it, it's impressive. He is long. He does seem to be athletic. He does a nice job defensively as much as he can without. He's playing about 37 minutes and kind of looks like he takes the college approach uh, to defense. So he's interesting. I'll have a breakdown on him eventually. Uh, DeJounte Murray break, breakdown and Denzel Valentine are both on my uh, YouTube channel david lock uh youtube channel uh if you'd like to uh keep an eye on that um and, and catch those uh jeremy pitt sent me a question seth part now of nyglon calculus has announced he will, has begun consulting for the bucks um what does that mean for the future of the nba and the jazz have anything like this um so i can't get into detail but the jazz do have something like it um so yes and they have for a while and uh, what I actually think the problem, what's what's not great here that's taking place is Roland Beach was great for 82games.com. Seth Partnow was great at Nylon Calculus. And all of these uh, completely incredible uh, public sites with great analytics are being hired by teams. And then when these guys are all hired by teams, then they're not public with what they have anymore. And the general work that's out there becomes a little less good. Um, and so I think that's the only thing that really um, uh, kind of bums me out. Um, uh, Nylon Calculus and Seth Partnow have been great. I mean, just incredible work and just a regular thing uh, that I read all the time. But, no, it's a very – I think the, the issue for us as fans is that as these great writers and great minds get hired away, uh, it hurts us because of the fact that they get taken um, – that we don't get to hear, you know, get to see them as much. So, uh, you know, I, I, congratulations to Seth. It's, it's a great story. I mean, and, and for the youngsters out there, for you, I think it might be uh, you should be eating this up because if you're if you're a numbers guy, start start working. You know, they're finding, uh, you know, Seth Partner lives in Anchorage, Alaska, and has been writing enough that Milwaukee hired him. Okay, um, so. Uh, you know, that's a pretty big deal now with our Justin Zanuck. All right, uh, Dante Exum update. He should be cleared here pretty soon. That He was supposed to have his end of May doctor's appointment, and then um, he see, uh, and from there, uh, uh, 
be cleared to play a little bit more. Uh, is, according to the Australian coaches, they still are holding a spot for him for the Olympics. Uh, the Australian coach said at this stage he feels uncomfortable at any point uh, where he put himself at risk. So the Jazz need to, and also the Jazz need to be comfortable. His knee is up to the rigors of Olympic campaign. So there's obviously collaborative work there. Um, he is working in some more competitive environments and hopefully uh, getting more and more ready. I mean, it's been quite a while since the injury. Now we're we're almost at 11 months. So he's certainly working his way back. Joe Ingles was quoted in the story saying he's getting closer. He's going to do everything he can to get here to Rio. But he also know he's realistic. He's not going to take a spot if he's not 100%. He said that he knows that, that and he knows uh, that for us to be great, we need everyone at 100%. So uh, that's kind of the latest on Dante. Obviously the clandestine to a lot of amounts of, of the work he's doing and what's taking place, but it seems to be uh, progressing. Uh, little news story, Darren Collison, domestic violence charge. We'll see how that plays out. I always hate to get be careful about, um, you know, burying a guy until it, I mean, it's, you know, you've done something wrong to be involved in a dis- domestic violence charge, uh, clearly, but I, I don't want to, like, you know, obviously bury the guy until it's actually proven and he's charged, uh, at which point then you could do whatever you'd like, frankly, from my opinion at that point. Uh, I think uh, one, one quick comment on Westbrook, the criticism around him. You just can't have it both ways. You, you just can't have it both ways. If if his exceptional athleticism and pizzazz is what carries the team, then you can't then complain when it goes kilter, off kilter. That That's just part of who he is. Um, and the fact is, I thought that any other team – having lost game six would just be dead and roll over in game seven. And when people asked me about that, I said, yeah, that makes sense unless you have Russell Westbrook. And so Russell Westbrook's great energy is what made it so you knew the Thunder would fight game seven because nobody on that team would dare not fight game seven if Russell Westbrook's around. And I, I, so I think you've got to be really careful if you're going to criticize Westbrook. Uh, Durant free agency is going to be the number one talk uh, in everything they're doing. Celtics today, but by the way, extended uh, – Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens contracts, and then somehow that got into the Kevin Durant talk. Like, it's just incredible how everything is going to be uh, Kevin Durant. Now, with that said, uh, I do think in everything I've been told uh, is that the, the Golden State stuff was real. But I don't think um, it can be real now. I think just playing that playoff series against each other and where they went, I don't think that Durant can really go to Golden State. But everything I had heard uh, from the league is around the league is that that was real. Uh, and, uh, you know, but I, I don't think it can be real now. All right, let's get into our uh, off-season scouting reports of teams. Let's start with the Chicago Bulls. Um, the Bulls are interesting. They Their situation roster-wise is uh, they have got uh, Pau Gasol uh, with an option year that he's obviously at only $7 million, so they do not have a center on their roster at this point, uh, with Gasol and Noah both as free agents. Aaron Brooks, Etwan Moore, uh, both free agents, so they have no guard depth as well, and they'll try to have to fill uh, those things out. Uh, their bigger problem is they have absolutely no chemistry. Uh, the Rose, Jimmy Butler, things not working. The Taj Gibson, Pau Gasol, Joakim Noah match didn't work. Nikolai Miritich, who was supposed to be their great answer, hasn't necessarily come across 
come along. And so that, this is a team that's really interesting to me in the offseason because the first thing is they have a remarkably little amount of cap space. So right now they're at $16 million, and then if they re-sign Gasol, it goes away. Their potential is about $26 million, which is just so much lower than everyone else. It's enough to do things, but it's a lot lower. They have Rose at $21 million for the 16-17 season, and I just don't believe it's movable. As much cap space might be out there, I don't know who's taking Rose at $21 million and believing that that's the right move. Now, there's teams that are going to have $21 million they have to spend. Uh, that's going to go under the apron. If not, they're going to lose the money. They'll be at seventy something million, and if they don't get to, and so there, it may happen that they trade Rose on somewhat of a salary dump uh, just to clear it out. The other angle is Jimmy Butler. They don't seem to be enthralled with Jimmy Butler, and he's really interesting because he's really good. He may be a little bit more problematic than people realize. He has a $17.5 million contract for 16-17, an $18.7 million contract in 17-18, and a $19.8 million contract in 18-19. It's it's their number one piece to rebuild their franchise and throw it around. Uh, I, I don't know what they're willing to do, and I don't know what other teams are willing to do, but it gets interesting, you know, from a jazz standpoint, how far are you willing to go? If they don't have Gasol and Noah, and are they willing to, do they think Derek, are you willing to do, I don't know, would you do Derek Favors and somebody for Jimmy Butler? Would you do Derek Favors and Rodney Hood for Jimmy Butler? Would you, and now you have Butler and Hayward as your wings, and, and then you re-sign Gordon next year, and that becomes your core pieces, and you're spreading the floor with Lyles and Gobert, and you've lost Favors? I don't love that. I'm just trying to throw things out there. Uh, would you know? Uh, would you do, do? I don't know if they would do Hayward for Butler straight up. Would you do that? Um, one signed, one's not. Um, I, I'm just playing around. Mike Dunleavy is on is on their roster, who I think is an interesting piece. I would love to have on our roster. Uh, he's at 4.8 next year, and then an option at 5.1 the year after. It's cheap. It's piddlings, and he. Injured and has a hard time staying healthy, but he just helps you win. And they're likely trying to move Doug McDermott forward into their rotation a little bit. Is that a player you you could talk about? I think that would be of interest. Um, and Taj Gibson at eight point nine million as a free agent. I'm not sure he matches our salary at all. But Butler's an interesting one. What? How far are you willing to go? What would you be willing to move? When you look at them pack wise, Butler's a point eight positive, so he, he's not. He's he's not an elite offensive player. He's not one of the 20 guys that is a two or something of that nature. He's good, but he's not an elite. He gets to the free throw line 15% of his possessions, which is nice. Um, He shoots about 15% from three, uh, but he's a .8 pack player. If you remember kind of some of the pack numbers, um, and when you're looking at the the best there are in the game, Steph's at 5.8, Harden's at 4.1. There's seven players above two, and usually about – you know, 30 players above one, and he's in that next tier uh, at point eight. Um, you know, so he's solid. He's good. Gordon Hayward, uh, for example, uh, just to give you the Utah Jazz comparison here, since this is locked on jazz, uh, Gordon Hayward this last year was a point six. Uh, Rodney Hood this last year was a de- it was a zero. So you know an upgrade would be would be a no- favors was a point three. So if you do something, it's a major upgrade uh, for the Jazz in that sense. Um, and a small forwards in the league or shooting guards in the league, guys that are better 
with pack ratings are Harden, Leonard, Reddick, Thompson, LeBron, Gallinari, uh, Evan Fournier is quite good. Uh, Chandler Parsons, Draymond Green's really a power forward, I guess. Um, sorry, trying to find some. Troy Daniels is just a pure shooter for Charlotte, and then Jimmy Butler. So, uh, you know, he's in the elite. There aren't a lot of guys that are up there uh, in that. Uh, uh, Doug McDermott was a positive in his second year. Big deal for them moving forward. Taj Gibson positive. Derek Rose was a minus 2.1 pack, one of the worst in the NBA last year. Noah was a minus 1.4. Bobby Portis as a rookie was a minus 1.1. Uh, Mike Dunleavy was even at zero. Pau Gasol last year was a minus 0.4 pack player uh, overall. So that's kind of worth thinking about when people talk about signing him and where he is. Derek Rose was arguably the third worst offensive player in the league behind only with Kobe and Emmanuel Moutier. So that's where we sit on Chicago. We're doing two today because of Memorial Day and then yesterday I didn't do one. And this is a really interesting team to me. This is Detroit. Uh, Detroit has done something. They have made all of their moves prior to the season. Uh, so instead of waiting for everybody else to have cap room, they made most of their major moves before and their roster is relatively set going into this offseason. They have eighteen million dollars around cap space. They could get it up to twenty seven if they want to, but the fact is that Andre Drummond is becoming a free agent. They're gonna have to sign him as a restricted free agent and it's gonna almost eat up all of their cap space. So they are really tied up, but I like what they've done. They I, I like that they basically have tried to build their roster before everyone else had the cap money. They have Reggie Jackson, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Tobias Harris, Marcus Morris, and Andre Drummond. They need a little Bent's help. Spencer Dinwiddie doesn't seem to develop. Blake is Steve Blake is a free agent getting old. Um, so they, they don't have a backup point guard. They'll need something of that sort uh, with this roster, and that'll probably be a focus. And they don't Jody Meeks, Stanley Johnson are their backup wings, uh, and then they're obviously hoping Stanley Johnson will develop, and they probably need one more uh, big in there. From our standpoint, I, I don't know who you know who you're really looking at. Tobias Harris is signed for four more years in a descending deal. It's a great pickup by Detroit. Reggie Jackson, they've overpaid dramatically. They might be willing to move Reggie Jackson. You never know. Uh, Jody Meeks, Aaron, in fact, it would make sense for me actually. After I've watched, it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want him on my on that contract for the whole time. But you know, they got to. That's what you have to do sometimes. Uh, Baines and Meeks are there. Marcus Morris is a great contract. I can't imagine them moving that. That was the shyst uh, that Phoenix pulled on on the Morris twins. And then they'll max out Drummond, uh, and that's an interesting one because Drummond's still very limited offensively. Uh, their their roster is really set. They just need to fill in holes. You know, Trey Burke is an interesting. I don't know. You know, Trey Burke's an interesting piece there um, in the sense that Trey Burke fills their backup point guard and might be really helpful to them. Uh, who they have on their roster that we would want at that point on a straight-up deal with Trey Burke, I don't really see the answer. Is it just are you taking him for a second-round pick? Are you getting him for a protected future first? Uh, I, I, I'm not sure. I don't, But Trey Burke would be a decent piece for them as a backup point guard. I think Trey Burke's going to be a good backup point guard uh, for someone in this league. Uh, but again, I don't really see trade pieces. From a pack standpoint, Tobias Harris was a good pickup for them. He's a point five. They really have almost no major players that are, are really good, positive pack players. It's an, it's a, in, they've built this team, and they've got Van Gundy's great offensive structure, and then they don't have players that really 
are great at it. Uh, Aaron Baines was a point two. Reggie Bullock, who barely played for them, was a point two. Reggie Jackson, but listen to this. I mean, here's their main guys. Reggie Jackson's a minus point two. Marcus Morris is a minus point three. Jody Meeks this year an unusual minus point five. Contavious Caldwell Pope a minus point six. Spencer Dinwiddie a minus one point three. Andre Drummond a minus one point four. And Stanley Johnson, as a rookie, you don't worry about too much because almost all rookies are negative, was a minus 1.4. The Andre Drummond number is a bit disconcerting if you're Detroit uh, because while his rebounding's great, he should be shooting better at the basket. He only shot 52%, which is really low when you consider where he shoots from. And then you add his 35% free-throw shooting, he becomes an incredibly inefficient player. But it'll be interesting to see if we look back in a few years and think to ourselves, wow, Detroit really did this right by getting these deals done prior to um, the season start, you know, the the free agency madness and not getting caught up in the excessive bidding wars that are taking place. Uh, Tomorrow we'll look at the Denver Nuggets, and then uh, Friday we'll try to look at the Houston Rockets. I have some issues on Fridays. Uh, Locked on on Jazz, so we'll see if that actually happens or not. All right, that is today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Thanks for the five stars along the way. Thanks for listening. Greatly appreciate it. Have a great day. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter, so it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.